God's people said. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you to White Oak this morning. I want to welcome you uh, to a community that worships Jesus every single Sunday. Uh, my name is John Wethington, and I'm the lead pastor here. And I've seen many new faces. And so if you are new or you're visiting with us, I just want to give you a very, very warm welcome. We are so glad that you are here. Uh, we have a church like this for people in our community who want to know more about God and, and follow Jesus and do those things um, in the midst of a loving, caring family. And so as we begin 2016, if, if you're joining us this morning, maybe for the first time, you need to know one thing. Uh, we go through all these journeys together as a faith family. Uh, we're a family-oriented church. And so as we stand on the dock of 2016, right, we're setting, uh, standing on the dock of 2016 and looking out into what God has for us as we're setting goals so that we can set sail for the year, we're doing this together in support of one another, in love of one another, in encouragement of one another, because the Christian life was designed to be lived with one another. And one of the things that you need to know if, as you're following in your Christian journey, following after Jesus with everything in you, with your entire life, is that goals are essential for the Christian journey. Goals are absolutely essential for the Christian journey because the Christian journey is all about progress. It's all about newness. It's all about being a new creation. It's all about leaving the former self and entering the new self. It's all about overcoming sin and growing in holiness, growing in the image of God. And if that is the point of the Christian journey is to unite us with God, then we are all about newness and all about setting goals. And I want to give a quick disclaimer to all of my cynical friends out there because I relate with you. I feel you. Uh, if you're here and you're cynical towards New Year, you're like, oh, it's New Year, New You. I've heard this before. Um, if, if you're cynical and, and you're, you're thinking that maybe, you know, nothing's going to change in your life, I just want to say, first of all, that I feel you and I completely relate with that because I am like that. And yet I want to challenge you by saying that when we look at the nature of our God, he has no cynicism in him. And if God's nature has no cynicism in it, then our nature should not as well because we are created to imitate him. And God is a merciful, loving, and a hope-filled, optimistic God. And so we should be. You know, we, we embrace the struggles of life. But we, we embrace the failures when those things happen, but we don't define our outlook of the future by the failures that have happened in the past. And so 2015, whether it was a good year or a bad year, it doesn't matter anymore because 2016 is here. It's a completely new year, and you and I are dreaming completely new dreams. In Proverbs 21.5, it says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The Proverbs, many of them are written by Solomon, the guy considered to be the wisest man that ever lived. And whereas the Psalms focus on the heart and the emotion, the Proverbs are all about wisdom and practicality and, and the mind. And the Proverbs are all about setting goals, all about making good decisions in the present so that the future turns out the way that we want it to turn out. Also in Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, Where there is no prophetic vision, you may have heard this, the people cast off 
restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. You see, the law and morality and goals are a blessing if they are used to mold us greater into the image of God and the life that he has for us. It is a new year, and today we're coming together to set new goals for what God has for us in this year. And I want to encourage you as we begin by saying, think about the reality that there was a moment when LeBron James, I got some attention there, you want to hear LeBron James? There was a moment when he was awful at basketball. True story. There was a moment when LeBron James didn't know how to dribble a basketball in his life. There was a moment when Taylor Swift could not write a song, but she can today. There was a moment when Donald Trump had no self-confidence. There was a moment in history when he was insecure, just like the most of us. There was a moment when Bill Gates could not type on a computer, didn't know how to type. There was a moment when Oprah was too afraid to speak publicly. There was a moment in your life when you couldn't even walk. Things change every single day. People grow every single day. People set goals every single day. And what I want for you this year as your pastor who loves you and who wants the best for you is I want you to set out on this journey. I want you to set goals and set sell, and I want you to be successful in achieving those goals this year because I believe that you can do it, not because of your strength, but because of God's strength. And to do that, I've got a little handout that I want to hand out to you. I've got my lovely assistant up here, my wife, who's going to help me. And uh, Amy, why don't you come up here too? I'm going to pass these out. And uh, you don't have to use these, but it's a little feel. I'm going to reference these a little bit later in the sermon. Uh, that's for you, free of charge. It's a little calendar for you, as well as a little spot for you to write your three goals. And you might not have brought a pen or pencil with you. That's fine. You don't have to use this. But I'm giving you this to hold it in your hand. We might not have enough to feel and to sense this idea of writing down new goals. And there's a calendar on the back. And so oftentimes, once you have a goal, you've got a plan when you're going to pursue that goal. So maybe you want to pray more this year or something. Pencil in when you're going to do that, what time every day you're going to do it. Because, that, because it says that people that have plans and who are diligent in those come to prosperity and come to blessing. And so today what I want to give you as you're setting out on your new journey, I want to give you three things and I think three ways that you can make sure that you accomplish and achieve these goals these years. I want to give you a biblical understanding of keeping goals. And to do that, I'm going to have you turn with me to Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 14. That's our, one of our two main scriptures this morning. Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 14. And you have often heard one of these verses referenced. And yet I'm going to read the whole passage in context so you understand what's really going on here. And as you turn with me to Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 14, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I'm going to read this scripture over you, but we're going to stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. And so if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. And all that you need to know about this text and this scripture is that Israel, who was God's chosen people, they had been driven from their homeland, they had been persecuted, 
um, they had faced struggles, and they were wondering, God, if we are chosen people, how come we're not facing blessing in our life? If we are chosen people, how come things are not going well for us? And this is God's response to them. I want to read this over you. God speaks to his people in Jeremiah 29. For thus says the Lord... When 70 years are completed for Babylon, which are the people that were persecuting them, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise, and I will bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. May God bless this word in your life. May be seated at this time. The reason, one of the main reasons we read the Old Testament is not just to get an understanding of the history of Israel and the way things used to be. That is part of why we read the Old Testament. But one of the reasons we read the Old Testament, and one of the things they teach you when you go to school for theology, is that one of the things that the Old Testament is the best at is revealing the character and the nature of who God is. Meaning, when you read this and you say, oh, this is how God is, you can be assured that that's the way that God still is to this day. And so as we read the Old Testament and the way that he interacts with his people, it informs how we interact with God today because God is always the same. And in Jeremiah 29, God comes to his people after he has allowed them to be persecuted. He has allowed them to be driven from their homeland because they had abandoned him and they had abandoned his ways. And so he allowed for tough times to come their way to to, to lead them ultimately back to him. But what it shows us in this moment, which is important for you keeping goals this year, is that God doesn't just bless anything his people do. God doesn't just bless any goal or any endeavor or anything. You can be Israel. You can be God's chosen people. And yet if, as God says here, if you are not seeking him and putting his glory at the center of everything you do, God does not bless that. The number one thing for you keeping a goal this year is to set the right goals with the right heart. Write this down. Set the right goals with the right heart. Israel had abandoned God. They had tried to live their life and pursue their future in a nominal way without God. And God specifically allowed them to be exiled from their homeland. But then God says, but, but in the future, I, trust me, he's like, I haven't left you. I'm just teaching you something. And oftentimes we think that God has left us and he hasn't left us. He's just teaching us something. And what we see here is that sometimes God blows up our plans and allows for exiles to turn our hearts back to him. Maybe that was 2015 for you. Maybe 2015 was a year of God maybe lovingly crushing some things in your life in order to turn your heart back to him because he is the ultimate glory and the ultimate joy and happiness in life. You see, God doesn't just bless anything. He blesses the right things. God does not bless sin. God does not bless laziness. 
He may for a moment withhold his wrath on something, but he only blesses things that are in line with his nature. And because of this, God's glory should be the center of our goals. And I want you to view it like this. And this is a really good thing. Like, you know, like in the ocean, there's like a current that comes through, right? And there's this force in the water that like, uh, like drives everything and, and, and it pulls the water a certain way. And if you get too deep in it yourself, it can pull you with it. There's a current in the water that, that pulls things forcefully. In the universe, there is a current and it's called God's glory because all things were created by our good and wonderful God and for him. And so everything in life is going his direction for his glory, for his purposes. And when we begin to set goals outside of God's glorification, if we set selfish goals, those are goals that we do not keep because God doesn't bless those kinds of things. Good goals for bad reasons are bad goals. Let me say that again. Good goals for bad reasons are bad goals. Let me give an example. I want to get in shape so everyone will be attracted to me and more attracted to me than a bunch of other people. Not a great goal. I want to be healthy. That's cool. I want to make a bunch of money so I can spend it all on myself. It's not a good goal. I want to get that promotion, which once again is not a bad thing, so I can prove that I'm better than all my coworkers because I am better than my coworkers. It's a bad goal. I want my kids to flourish so that they can just be better than every other kid for the rest of their life and so that I can feel like I'm not a failure as a parent. We should be motivated in our goals by love and not self in 2016. We should be motivated by love and not self. The Christian life is not a life of self. It's a life of dying to self. And the irony is actually happiness comes when you die to self. When you advocate for your happiness and accumulate possessions and money and fame. Like for some reason we just believe those things are going to make life better and they never seem to do it. The Christian life Goals are motivated by love and not self. And so as you begin to set your goals, the, main, the number one thing is not necessarily even a technique for how to keep your goal, but to set the right goal in the first place. Wrap your pursuits in the glorification of God and take all the liberty that he has given you to run and dream and enjoy this life, but wrap your goals in his glory. I want to get in shape. I want to be healthy so I can glorify him, so I can live a long and prosperous life to help people, to love my family, to love my church, to love people. I got to be in good shape to do that. I want to get a lot of sleep so I can be energized and rested. I want to make money so I can help people and love people. I, I want to I uh, go out and raise my kids so that it's because I love my kids and I want them to have a good life and I want them to love other people and to raise their children. That's a good goal wrapped in the glory of God. In Psalm 37, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. So set the right goals with the right heart. But then once you have the right goals, here's number two. And you're going to think this is a joke, but it's not. Number two, focus, 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 focus. Okay? If you're taking notes, that's focus five times. Okay? Focus, 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 focus. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain that here in a minute. Before I do that, I want to use a Star Wars illustration because I love Star Wars. And it's all the rage right now, right? I saw, who, who liked the new Star Wars? Raise your hand. Everybody did because it's Star Wars, of course. It was amazing. 
Um, in my opinion, it was actually, um, this, this gives you any perspective, it was my least favorite of all of them, and yet I still really loved it. And so that was my personal opinion. But I was, uh, I was on the internet this week, and I saw a very peculiar headline that totally caught my attention. It said that George Lucas, who is the, you know, author and the director of all the original Star like he's the Star Wars genius, the guy who came up with it. George Lucas, highly critical of the new Star Wars film. And so I'm like, oh, this has got to be good, right? This has got to be really good, right? So I clicked on it, I'm, I'm reading it, and there's this video. And so I'm listening to George Lucas talk about the reason why he doesn't like the new Star Wars film, okay? So George Lucas is saying, this is the reason why I have a problem with the new Star Wars film. And what he begins to say is that the reason why I don't like the new Star Wars film is because uh, it misses the whole point of Star Wars, And I was like, that's crazy. What do you mean? Like, it was awesome. There was lightsabers and spaceships and battleships, and it was wonderful. How does does the new Star Wars film miss the whole point of Star Wars? And in George Lucas' own words, he literally says, this is George Lucas, he goes, Star Wars is actually, at its core, a soap opera. He said, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking soap opera. I'm thinking like, you know, Channel 13 at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, like this really weird show that, I mean, no, no offense if you like that, but I mean, I'm thinking like that's, that's not what I think of when I think of Star Wars, right? He said Star Wars is actually a soap opera about family issues and family problems. At the core of it, it's telling a story about family dynamics and family relationships. And he says all of the intergalactic mumbo jumbo is really just something to wrap this story in. And he says the reason why he was critical of it, because he actually, I don't think he, he didn't actually direct the newest one. He was critical of it because he said they, they downplayed a lot of the main storylines and kind of beefed up the, the lightsabers and the starships and the intergalactic drama. And they made it all about things like galaxies and, and really cool graphics. And I mean, Star Wars has always had those things, but he felt that the main point of the whole thing was missed. Because people are focused on all of the shiny objects that are contained in Star Wars. And when I say focus, 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 focus for how you're going to keep your goals this year, which I'm going to give you some ways I think you can do that, what I mean by that is you can have all the right goals, and if you don't have the built-in measures in your life to keep you focused on those goals, you're probably not going to accomplish them. Um, Turn with me now this time to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read another scripture. This is the other main scripture for the morning. Uh, that's really going to, I think, drive this point home of, of why we need to find ways in our life to focus. Uh, in 2 Timothy 2, uh, Paul, who is a seasoned Christian, is writing to a younger man named Timothy, who's a young pastor, pastoring a new church. And Timothy has a lot to do. There's new people at the church, and there's issues going on. And he, he's teaching him how he's going to do this. And I want you to listen to the things that he says, and I want you to just think about the toughness that it requires. Think about the focus that he's talking to Timothy. Because Timothy has been called to proclaim the gospel, to lead a church, and this is Paul's message to Timothy in keeping this goal. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. For no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. 
what Paul tells Timothy is that in order to fulfill the calling that God has placed on your life, you need focus. He uses three diff- different illustrations. He uses the illustration of like a, a, an athletic competition. He uses the, the idea, the imagery of like a, like a soldier in war. He uses the idea of a hardworking farmer. There's like this, this toughness and the things that he's saying, and he's talking about focusing. And he uses this interesting illustration where he says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And so what he says is, if you've been sent out by somebody to, to do something, and then you end up not serving that person, but these random people you've met along the way, you're not focusing on your goal, therefore you're not accomplishing your goal. It's kind of like if you were sent you know, overseas to like fight a war and defeat an army, and then while you're over there, you, you lose track of that goal, and you end up like reforming the tax code, and like like, you know, repairing some of the streets, and you come back, and you're like, hey, I, I fixed the tax code, right? It's a flat tax now, which is great, right? And I, uh, I, I, I fixed some of the streets and the street lights, and they're like, well, did you defeat the army? And he's like, oh, I forgot about that. He's like, well, that's the only reason why you went there. And we laugh at that. But if you're like me, that is often, like, how we approach our life. We spend 90% of our free time doing things that are not leading to the goals that we have set for ourselves because we always have goals. We've set some goals and yet we haven't learned how to focus on those goals. And so I want to give you really quick four really practical ways. I'm going to blow through these four ways that I think you can focus because I'm telling you to focus, but let me tell you really simple things. And these are actually things that helped me last year. So I'm not just saying these things. Number one, write your goals down on paper. I know you like the internet. I get it, right? I like the internet too. Write it down with your hand if you're still able to write with handwriting, right? Some of us, we can't, I'm horrible at handwriting nowadays, right? Because um, I'm just typing all the time. Write your goals down on paper. Write your goals down on paper and then create some kind of a ritual that enables you to consistently check those goals. Okay, maybe it's every morning when you, like, like literally, if you wrote down three or four goals for yourself for this year and then you made a ritual where every morning when you got up, you read those goals, I guarantee you'd keep them. Because 100 days in of not keeping, you'd be like, I got to keep these goals, right? The problem is we set goals and we don't keep them before us. There, there, there's uh, prayers in the Psalms where King David's prayer is, God, keep your law ever before me. He's like, I, I drift and I get, I get distracted by all the shiny objects in life. And then there's, there's Facebook and there's ESPN and there's like um, what I'm doing on Friday night. And then there's this random thing at my job and we get distracted. And so enable to focus, actually write your goals down for this year. This is super practical, right? All you hyper-spiritual people are not going to like this, right? You can pray too, but write your goals down. It's so extremely helpful. Number two, and, and I actually listened to a podcast that said this reason right here was the reason why most people don't keep their goals. Make them, if you can, measurable. Make them measurable. Let me give you, let me give you an illustration. Like, don't say this year, I want to lose weight. Say, I want to lose 10 pounds, to where you can track it and you can measure it. Don't say, I want to pray more as a goal. Say, I want to pray every morning for 20 minutes every morning at this time slot. Make it measurable. Make it specific. Pick a time and pick a place to where you can look back in your week and say, I kept 40% of my goal. Don't just say, I want to be a disciple maker. Say, I want to disciple two people this year. Don't say, um, you know, I, I, want to, I want to be nicer to people. Say, I want to volunteer once a week at the local food shelter. Make sense? 
So write your goals down, make them measurable. And number three, this is, a, this is another, and all these are just so, so important. Number three, be balanced, okay? And what I mean by that is we as humans, and the Bible talks about this a lot, we are mind, body, spirit, right? And what I find a lot of times is people, they, they only set one kind of goal. And so I'm only doing weight loss goals, or I'm only doing, you know, like spiritual, I want to pray more. I'm only wanting to learn about history and stuff. Uh, last year, in tw- this past year in 2015, was the year where honestly I felt like I did the best job of keeping my goals. And one of the reasons was because somebody challenged me to set a different kind of goal than I'd ever set before. And so I'd never actually set like a, uh, like a you know, weight loss or get in shape kind of goal. But I did this past year and I, I got about, you know, probably 70% of the weight of my goal. But it was interesting because I set a physical goal. And so last year I was working out more than I ever had and, and being physically active. But then because I was physically active, I slept better at night. And then when I slept better at night and I got up in the morning to pray, I prayed better and I was more attentive because I was physically active. And it was like this massive thing where somehow through physical exercise, I grew in prayer. And as humans, we're three in one, right? We're, we're mind, body, spirit, and it's all connected, right? And sometimes we set just one kind of goal. I just want to pray, or I just want to get in shape, or one of these kinds of things. But if you will be balanced, and if you will challenge yourself in a way that you've never been challenged before, it will intrigue you. It will be a new journey for you, and it will motivate you. So be balanced in the goals that you set for yourself. And the last one is this. I know this one is hard, but learn to say no to stuff in a loving, respectful way. Learn to say no. Um, if you're going to add a goal to your life this year, you should not expect to add a goal to your life and not subtract something else. If you're adding, you have to also subtract. And so learn to say no in a loving, respectful way, meaning be loving, be Christ-like, but be confident saying, okay, look, I'm not going to do that so that I can do this. Those four things help you focus. And so then once you set the right goals uh, and once you focus on them, be prepared for the final step. Final step. This, this is huge, right? Be tenacious. Be tenacious. And you've probably never heard a pastor say be tenacious, right? But be tenacious in your goals. Listen to the way that Paul instructs Timothy. You, the be, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. In the Christian journey, we're all about love and we're all about hope-filled living and all these wonderful things, and yet we are a tough and a resilient people. There is no people group in the history of the world that has probably faced more persecution and more adversity than the church of Jesus Christ. And yet we are here today, we are strong, we are vibrant, and we're the largest people group in the world today. Christians are a people of tenacious endurance. In keeping your goals, learn to take a punch. And don't be a purist, right? When you, when you fail a few times, get back up. Try it again. Keep going, right? A little bit of progress is better than no progress. So be tenacious. Timothy compares keeping, uh, Paul compares uh, keeping Timothy's goal to journey, uh, to a journey of war, athletics, and a hard-working farmer. 
This year, as you go through your goals, fight for God's glory. Fight for happiness. Fight for goodness. Fight for growth. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And when he says be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, what grace is about forgiveness. And so what he's saying is be strengthened because you've been forgiven. For every failure that you've done, you've been forgiven so you can try it again. You can try it again. Oh, you failed? The, the grace of Jesus is strong. Sometimes the miracle of God comes in the strength that God gives you and not an immediate change of your circumstance. Sometimes the miracle is the strength that you're given to overcome and not that God just immediately does away with something. And so don't let a past failure cause you to continue to fail or don't let the past 50 years change the way that you're approaching 2016 because it is a new year, it is a new day that you're setting the right goals, you're learning to focus on your goals and the calling God has on your life, and you're willing to be tenacious in pursuit of those goals. I watched this, uh, this TED Talk, and it was given by this scientist and the sociologist. And uh, the title of, of the TED Talk was, You're Never Gonna Feel Like It. And the whole point of this talk that she was giving was a scientifically based talk that said that people were better able to keep their goals the more they leaned into acting based upon principle than feeling or emotion. And, and what the scientist said was that people oftentimes are waiting until they feel like doing something to do it, like whether it's working out, whether it's growing in a spiritual discipline, whether it's, you know, gathering with the church more, whatever it is. We're waiting until we feel like it to do it. And her whole point was the same way that you can strengthen a muscle, meaning you can work out and get stronger, you can strengthen your activation energy, which means your ability to do something because it's the right thing to do and not just because you're supposed to do it. And of course, Jesus has been talking about this for 2,000 years. This is basically just sanctification, right? This is basically just learning to be more obedient. But they were saying that it was scientifically proven. This is really cool. I've actually started doing this. It is scientifically proven that if you will set your alarm clock at a certain time when you want to wake up and you don't snooze it and you get up the second that your alarm clock goes up, that, that scientifically it is proven that you are more likely throughout your day to act upon principle based upon feeling. And they said that they, uh, they observed that as people began to add this habit to their life of saying, okay, I want to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. And so I set my alarm for 6 o'clock in the morning. And so when it goes off, I don't snooze four times. But when 6 o'clock gets up, I get up immediately out of bed. That it was scientifically proven that the longer they did it, the easier it became for them to do it. And they felt greater strength and empowerment to do what they were called to do throughout the day and not basically just be controlled by their emotions and their feelings. Because you were beginning your day by doing the right thing and not what you felt like. And church, sometimes, sometimes that is the Christian life. Sometimes it, you don't feel like it. Sometimes you do feel weak. Sometimes you do feel discouraged. But there is beauty and there is blessing in pushing forward just because it's the right thing to do and not because you feel like it. This year, if, if you set goals for yourself and if you pray and say, God, like, God what, are you, what are you calling me to this year? 
What, what, what do you want from me? What's that next step? What's that next process that you want me to like? like what, are you, what are you doing in my life? And once you discern what that is and you create ways to focus on it, there's going to be moments when you will be challenged and you'll be, you'll be tempted to, to, to do the wrong thing. And yet you will push forward because you have a tenacity, because you have been strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because the fact that you know he'll forgive you even if you do fail gives you the strength, ironically, to not fail. And so this year, I want you to think about in this moment right now, the reality that as I'm standing before you, I guarantee you, Jesus is calling you to something this year. Every single one of you, he's calling you to something. He's calling you to greater. He's calling you to more. I don't want you to miss that because this is the greatest thing of life is to become more like him, to experience more of life through the eyes of Jesus, to not just waste your life, not just to waste another year, but to take time to pray, to reflect, to meditate on scripture, that God may call you to something. And then when you set those goals, you create ways in your life to focus on those goals. And then when the days get tough, you are tenacious because you're a follower of Jesus and he was tenacious on his pursuit to the cross. Jesus did not give up for us when it got tough. I mean, think of the image of Jesus literally carrying his own cross that he was going to be crucified on. Carrying his own cross and and falling down, but then getting back up so that he could carry the cross to die on that cross and then to rise again from that death to bring you and I into new life. That's the guy that we follow. God has a calling for you this year. He's got something he wants you to do. As your pastor, I want you to, to discern that. I want you to find that. And then this year, I want you to run after that. And I want to challenge all of us to support each other in love and encouragement in those things. Maybe after service, instead of just small talk, you want to ask somebody, so what do you think is new for you this year? What, what's God calling you to? What, what's your goal? Can, can I pray for you? Can I help you? Can I support you? Has it been tough? Has it been good? Let's set goals, church, and let's walk together. And let's make 2016 by far the best year that we've ever had. I believe in you because God loves you. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this, uh, this opportunity to come together as your church. And I thank you, Lord, that um, as we've gathered here together today, that you've brought us together in order to strengthen us and to call us to something new and something different. And God, I thank you that you are calling us to something different. Lord, so many of us, we live our lives and they just get monotonous and they get bland and it's just the same things over and over and over again. And yet, Lord, how exciting is it that you're giving us a new year that we're living and that we're breathing in your world. God, I pray for everyone here, God, that you would just clarify for them, that you would give them clarity as to the things that you're calling them to this year. I pray, Lord, they would decide those goals. They would set the right goals with the right heart for 2016, that they would have a personal vision for their life. They wouldn't just exist aimlessly, but they would be driven by the things that you're calling them to. I pray, Lord, you would help us to focus on those goals, to lean into those goals. 
And Lord, I pray you would give us the strength to be tenacious and tough when the going gets tough because we serve a loving and a hope-filled God, but we serve a tough God, a God that does the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do. And Jesus, in all of this, we, we just wrap it in your glory and your goodness because we confess that it is only because you have made us new that we can do new things that you are the one that makes us new, that, that lifts us up off the ground and into a new life. We thank you for this new day and this new time. We pray 2016 is a wonderful year. And we pray all these things as your church in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen.